Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with avid reader, theater instructor, writer, and podcaster Lucinda Sage Midgordon. She has degrees in religious studies, theater, and education, and has taught drama and English in her life. She loves stories in many different forms, from books, movies, theater, and even visual art. She has traveled to 10 different countries outside the U.S., including Canada and Mexico, and at the age of 69, she is still dedicated to lifelong learning. Enjoy this interview. Great to meet you, Lucinda. Thanks for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, you're welcome. So you have quite a history. Before we get into your history and what you do, I want to know, how did you do during this two years of COVID, and how did it change you? (laughs) Okay, I'm an introvert. I'm laughing because I'm an introvert. I loved being at home. I love teaching from home, except acting was kind of hard to teach from home. But (laughs) (laughs) so, and also I, I felt highly creative. It's when I started my podcast, Story Power, in the early, early months of the pandemic. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I kind of really, it was not great hearing about all of the people who were sick and dying and lost family members. And we had family members who who got COVID, but they survived uh, through the, actually, it's only been the last year, I think, that we've had family members with COVID. But uh, that part's not really great. I, I was, felt, felt it. I felt that. But on the other hand, um, it, it's been a really creative time for me, so I feel kind of a, a dual thing about it. It's bad and it's good. I understand. I totally understand. So before we get into what you do for a living, I want to take you in front of a, a group of great school kids right now. and You're a career day, and one of the kids looks up at you and says, what do you do for a living, and how are you qualified to do that? How would you answer them? Well, I am actually now fully retired from teaching, but uh, I have a lot of creative things that I do that I hope will make some money too. But how am I qualified to do that? Well, I started out with my bachelor's degree in religious studies. I'm, oh, I've always been passionate about stories. My family always had family movie night, and we would not just watch them and say they were great, but we would discuss them. And so I was always interested in stories, and that's why I became a religious studies major and graduated with that degree. But kind of in the middle of the my four years of getting that degree, I also started studying theater. And so I got a double major in the end, theater and religious studies. And then I got a master's in theater uh, when I was working in the corporate world and realized that wasn't, that was not for me. And so I, once I got my master's, I started teaching drama to young children at the Portland Parks and Recreation Department. So I was driving to different locations around the city teaching drama classes, and then somebody from Vancouver, which across the river, the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon, where I lived, found out about me, and so I started teaching over there, too, 
And I was also acting, stage managing, working in the costume shop of the city subsidized musical theater company. I did a lot of backstage jobs. I acted on stage. And then eventually I realized, it, because all of the rehearsals were at night, I wasn't seeing my husband at all, but about like half an hour or 45 minutes a day. And so I decided I needed to stop doing that, doing theater. I kept teaching, but I didn't, I wasn't involved in any productions. And then when we moved to Arizona, I, the, one of the only jobs available was as a substitute teacher. And so I started doing that and eventually I had a long-term, like a three-week sub-assignment for the drama teacher at the high school. And she, she found out that I had a master's in theater. She said, I'm getting ready to retire. You need to apply for my job. So I did. I got it. I had an emergency certification for two years while I got my master's of education. And then once I got my master's of education, um, I didn't know this really. I was too busy going to school full-time, teaching full-time, directing plays. Somebody else wanted my job. So I, I had to find another job. And so I went an hour away to another school district and started teaching English because I had a lot of literature credits. And so everything that I've done pretty much is about stories, except for those two years when I was teaching or when I was working at the, um, it was a school, but it was a trade school. Um, and yeah, so that's my qualifications. I taught at the school that was an hour away for that school district for five years and it just I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning and leave by six and be there by 730 and uh, and then if I was directing a play I didn't get home until five or five thirty six o'clock and then I went to bed at eight o'clock <laughs> so that became really tiresome and I quit that job and started teaching at the college and it is just now this fall that I have finally retired from teaching at the college, teaching theater classes at the college. So that was a very long answer. Does that answer the student's question? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess so you're in Arizona now. I'm curious, where were you born and raised? And what was your childhood like to give you this fascination for stories? Well, I was born in Des Moines, Iowa. My dad was in the Air Force. My mom and dad got married in Portland, Oregon. So when he got out of the Air Force, uh, the family, my brother was born in Illinois, uh, we moved back to Portland. So I lived in Portland from like the age of three until 10, I think, when we moved to a little town down the Columbia River on the Washington side across from the Dallas, Oregon. And then we moved and moved and moved. My father was a machinist. So sometimes he would get laid off and he'd have to go find another job. So we lived in this series of small towns 
And most of them didn't have movie theaters, they didn't have a bookstore, they didn't have a library except for the school library. And so we watched movies together. And my dad had dyslexia. He did teach himself how to read, but reading out loud was really difficult for him. So, but he was, he wanted us to understand human nature and so Movies and television were the way he taught us. And my mom was an avid reader, so she and I would read books. When I got a little older, we would read books together and discuss them. So, you know, it was from a fairly small age that we would watch. At that time, Disney only had one television show, and it was on Sunday nights. And we'd watch the movie or the documentary and we'd talk about them. And then as we got older, we would watch the Sunday night or the Saturday night movie together and discuss it. And some movies they played over and over every year, The Wizard of Oz. They would always play The Wizard of Oz around Easter time or in the spring. So we would, you know, we would continue the discussion about it every time we watched it. And that's how I got involved in in loving stories was from all those discussions with my family, my father and mother. So does that answer your question? Oh. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. So I'm curious, who have been you know mentors or heroes for you that kind of fueled who you are and what you've become? Well, the biggest one is my father. Um, he's been dead now for about. I don't know, a lot of years. And, uh, but I, he's still kind of the voice in my head. I did have a wonderful teacher, theater, when I was doing theater at undergraduate. Her name was Celia Shaw. And I was actually her faculty assistant for a while. And, uh, she was a mentor to me. I learned a lot from her. Then I had some really great instructors at Portland State where I got my master's in theater arts. Um, and I, I don't remember all of their names, but they were, they were just so great to me. And, you know, most of the people who get a master's degree have to write like a thesis kind of a thing. But I was lucky I got to do an acting project instead. Well, there's a lot of writing that goes into that as well because you have to do a character analysis and all you know all this stuff. But I'm not an academic writer, even though I have all these degrees. And so it was that was really great that they loved that they let me do that. Um, let's see, any other mentors? I guess I have mentors who are not involved in the in theater that I, people that I read and study, they're spiritual teachers. Pam Grout is one of them, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, people like that. And I've read a lot of their work and continue to follow them and continue to um, learn from them. But they're not, they're not on the creative side. So that's my answer for that. Cool. So, Speaking of theater and movies and, and books, tell me what 
movie and book really parted the curtains for you that really got you into it? I I have now this is not one that we watched when I was a child, but I always mention this one because it is still relevant today. It's a movie called Now Voyager from 1942. It's a Betty Davis, Claude Rains, Paul Henry are the stars in the movie. And she plays a woman who is from this very wealthy Boston family. Her name is Charlotte. But her mother is very, very controlling. She dictates what Charlotte reads and what she wears and who she sees and the social engagements that she goes to. And Charlotte is approaching 30 and she she's pretty much had enough and she's about ready to have a nervous breakdown, which is what they called it back then. And her sister-in-law has a friend who is this forward-thinking psychiatrist and has a sanitarium in Vermont, I think it is, and his philosophy is that, you know, most people just need to learn to love themselves, and so getting to know other people, learning to socialize, going outside for fresh air, um, you know, having sessions with the, the doctor and talking about how they feel about themselves and the world around them. But he's really forward-thinking, and so she goes to his sanitarium and starts to learn to love herself. And it's a movie where she she learns how to – it gives you skills about how to make friends, how to uh, learn to love yourself, how to stand up to people who are controlling. So that's one that that I just love. Another one is another 19, it's 1946, I think, it's after the war, and it's called The Best Years of Our Lives, and it's about three servicemen coming home from the war. One of them has lost his hands. The other two are wounded internally. There's no, they don't have any external wounds. And it's how they deal with reintegrating into their families and society after the traumas of the war. So that's one of the first movies that even talks about something like PTSD. Um, and then a book that I absolutely love, and I hope I can remember the name of it, it's a biography, and it's called The Dressmaker of Caracana or something like that. And it's about this woman who lives in Kabul in Afghanistan. And the the story starts the first time the Taliban come and take over Afghanistan. And she her father fought against the Taliban, so her father, her older brother and her mother have to escape and go up into the hills or hide someplace. And she and her sisters and her youngest brother, who's 14 or 13, something like that, are left to stay in the house. Well, women aren't supposed to work outside the house, so her older sister has to stop teaching. And they have to find a way to support themselves. So they start making clothing. 
And the brother, anytime they go outside the house, anytime any of the women go outside the house, the brother has to go with them because they can't be out on the street by themselves. And it was this eye-opening story about real people. I just couldn't imagine living like that. But in the end, they triumphed and the Taliban have to leave and they get to go back to their lives. She, but she becomes this international woman's rights activist. And, of course, her name has changed in the book because, you know, they don't, who knows, and now the Taliban's back. So that's a book that really touched me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me kind of up the ante on that a little bit. I'm curious, if you could meet one person alive right now on the planet, who would it be? Who would you like to talk to? The Dalai Lama. <laughs> Nice. I know he's he's not going to be around much longer, so it'd be really nice to talk to him before he leaves. Uh, yeah, let's see. Who else would I like to talk to? Probably somebody like George Clooney or Julie Andrews, or you know anybody who is an actor or director activist. Those kinds of people. Um, Emma Watson. Um, who else? Reese Witherspoon. Those. Gina Davis, those kind of people who are activists and creatives, it would be really fun to talk to those kind of people. Um, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis, you know, those kind of people. Let me ask you this. If you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger version, say when you were in your 20s, and you could give your younger version one piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout your life, what would you tell your younger version? Don't sweat the small stuff. Everything's going to be okay. You don't need to be afraid. And, you know, let your creativity fly. You don't, it doesn't matter if there are 10 people only who follow you or who are rooting for you. Just keep going. Just keep creating. Because that's, what makes life worthwhile to me. So what's been one of the best fan letters or responses you've ever gotten from your work? Well, okay, this is not really a fan letter. But when I was teaching, I was teaching at a high school, and it was, it's a border town of, it's Douglas, Arizona, border town of Arizona. And most of the students are of Mexican descent. And I had some really kind of difficult people in the class. And the, one of my students said to me one day, you are the most patient person I have ever met in the whole entire world. Because I had had to deal with these two students again. And I just thought that was a really great compliment. It was like, oh, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That is wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your readers, your students, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? You know, I don't think about that very often because I just go and do, do my thing. I think I'm creative, open-hearted and open-minded because that's what I learned from my parents. 
Um, I think I'm someone who's finally learning not to be afraid of life or what comes my way. Um, I I want to, I'm curious, I want to know, I want to know everything. I'm, I learned that from my dad. I want to know people. When I meet them, I'm curious about them. I ask a lot of questions. And sometimes that intimidates people, I found out. So I have to be careful about that. But I'm just a curious person. I want to, you know, I want to know things. If anyone wants to pick up your book, learn more about you, anything going on in your world, where, where should they go? Where's the best place? They can go to my website, which is on WordPress, and it's Sage Woman Chronicles. That's not the name of my podcast, but you can access my podcast there, my books. I only have two books right now there. Um, and um, hopefully, eventually, my also there will be a link to the course that I am creating called Saving the, Saving the World One Story at a Time. I'm just in the middle of creating that right now. Uh, but, yeah, all of my links are there. I think even my social media links are there. It's been a while since I've actually looked at my home page, so I don't know that for sure. But um, I'm on a lot of different social media outlets with Various names like uh, Sage Midgordon or my whole name, Lucinda Sage Midgordon. For most of them, most of them are some combination of that on social media. Wonderful. Lucinda, thank you for opening up. I appreciate your time. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>